lift your voices, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. We exalt you, O heavenly Redeemer. You are worthy to be praised, glorified, magnified, and adored. And we bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen. And let the church say amen. Before you're seated, a great thank you to our sister congregations, uh, Spanish sister congregation, our French Congolese sister congregation, all of our musicians, all the nationalities of our church. Would you put your hands together and give a good shout of thanksgiving for all the people gathered in this house to glorify the name of the Lord. Before you're seated, I want to read Psalms 86. This is verses 9 and 10. This is David leading us in worship. My title today is The David You Never Knew. The David You Never Knew. We're reading verse 9. All the nations you have made. Somebody say that with me. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. You alone our God. All the nations you've made them and all the nations are going to be part of the worship that is lifted to heaven. Why? Because God is great. His name is to be exalted. His goodness extends to all the marvelous deeds of uh, the, the, uh, his bounty, his generosity, his goodness to us. Before you're seated one more time, would you give God a shout of praise in this house? We glorify your name. We worship you today. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to very quickly remind you of two things. Number one is to let you know of the accompanying event to this service. It's called Taste of the Nations. It's in the Life Center across uh, the parking lot. We invite you to be a part of that. Free food is the universal language of love. So consider yourself uh, universally loved by all of us here uh, at First Church. Second of all, thank you to the team who made this possible. Uh, Pastor Don and his wife, Venice, uh, led up so much of the planning. They've had a tremendous team. You know who you are. Thank you so much. Thank you to Gabriel, who uh, joined with us today to help organize all the music and all. I'm proud of all my saxophone students, but he's my favorite. And... Um, all right, let's get into the scripture together. Uh, it is very normal for us to celebrate David as a source of praise and worship in the culture of the believer. We celebrate as brothers and sisters in Christ coming together. We celebrate a culture of worship. That means if you come to church and you do not worship, you're doing church wrong. Yes. I'm going to say that again for the people who are still singing. Be lifted high. Be li okay, this is a repeat just for you. If you're coming to church and you're not praising and worshiping God, you're doing church wrong. There's a better way to do church. Church is the resurrection of David's unique style of praise and worship. That means we clap. 
That means we lift our hands. That means we shout unto God with a voice of triumph. That means we play, praise God on the high-sounding cymbals and on the low-sounding cymbals. We praise God on stringed instruments. We praise God on organs and various types of uh, keyboards. We are very much invested as a church in the worship that is offered to God. Your life, if it feels too hard, you ought to add worship and praise. Living life without worship and praise is life too hard. If serving God feels too hard to you, how is your praise and worship uh, doing? If your faith isn't where it should be, how is your praise and worship doing? I know a way you can build your faith. I know a way you can reassure your fears. I know a way you can make your journey smoother. You need to learn how to praise God in all the seasons of life. In the good times, lift your voice, but in the bad times, lift your voice. In the sunshine, clap your hands, but on the rainy day, clap your hands too. We are all comfortable with celebrating the life of David as a testimony to worship uh, Thanksgiving. David solves all the problems of his life uh, through praise and worship, a heart of thanksgiving, uh, hands of praise, and uh, the praises of God flowing out of his heart. If I were to preach about that, and I have, and I will again, uh, you all would be right with me. It would be the story of David you understood. Even if I preach David, as a man of a war, you would be with me. If I preach David as a, um, a great leader, uh, a king among uh, the tribes, you would be right with me. If I uh, preach David as one who is willing to repent, one who is willing to uh, say, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit uh, it within me, you would be right with me. That is the David you have many times heard preach. But uh, today, let me introduce you to a problem that if you are, are at all reflective or you uh, know anything about human history, you are aware of. Uh, and then by being aware of this, I want to show you a David you perhaps have never seen before. Tribalism is one of the most dangerous curses within the human story. Tribalism is when you uh, look at people who are like you and you say they're uh, mostly good. And then you look at people who are unlike you and you say within your heart, they are mostly bad. Tribalism is the manner in which we justify hatred within our hearts. And I'm always amazed by how many people claim both to be religious and also to hate other people. I'm always amazed at how a disdain for outsiders creates a culture of walls and weapons. I'm often uh, made uh, sad by the natural feelings of superiority that one group will develop toward another group. I'm oftentimes made uh, sad in my spirit by the obsession that humanity is prone to to uh, highlight the differences that exist between uh, common uh, humanity and overcoming tribalism takes um, humility, it takes self-awareness, it takes a willingness to perceive the world as uh, a complex place, not a simple uh, place. And it takes a desire to value uh, justice over reassurance. There's something in our human heart that's reassured when people think like we think. Doesn't matter if they uh, are in many ways uh, evil in their heart or wrong in their ethics, as long as they seem like us. 
uh, we are reassured by it. The truth is, if you are murdered, it's probably going to be by somebody very close to you. In fact, it's so common for someone close to you to murder you uh, that the first thing the police department's going to do is they're going to make a list of everybody you know. And they're going to say there's a 95% chance that it's done. One of the Whoever killed this poor darling was done by somebody on this list. And yet, we don't fear those people. The people we fear are the people who cook different than us. It's tribalism at its core. I spent many weeks with an individual who grew up on the missions field. He had been a missionary's kid, and he had worked in many, many uh, different nations of one uh, continent. And uh, in his experience, I asked him what was the greatest tragedy that he had come across growing up, going to those schools. Uh, He had grown up as a missionary's kid. He then worked um, and went abroad as a missionary. And without hesitation, he said, the saddest thing in the human experience is just how easy we hate people who are different than us. How we justify hating people who are different than us. Uh, That has had a lifetime impact on my memory and has had a big input on my ministry. Uh, One of the best books on the subject, which if you are at all a reader and you think about these reflective subjects, I want to introduce you to a book uh, by uh, a man by the name of Jonathan Haidt, and the name of the book is The Righteous Mind. Uh, This is a quote from him. The thing about tribalism is it doesn't know it's tribalism. The thing about tribalism is it doesn't know it's tribalism. It thinks it's fighting for good against evil. There's something broken within our hearts that have descended from Cain. We're just too ready to kill our brother. We're just too ready to organize people who sacrifice in a manner that we sacrifice and to categorize anybody who doesn't do it like us as a enemy. Uh, And therefore, tribalism works among us. You can see it in all the conflicts. There are no wars so brutal as when uh, there are people who are a lot alike but have one small difference and that's enough for them to uh, kill each other. I could go on and on in the subject, but there is something tragic about just how willing we are to decide whether or not you're like us or not like us. And if you aren't like us, we hate you. Uh, We harm you and we justify it in some story as good versus evil. God needs to save our human heart from this particular hatred because the most multicultural place that will ever exist is a place that Christ is preparing for the people who have crowned him king. You call America a melting pot of the nations, and we celebrate that, and uh, we have been a beneficiary of that, and yes, it causes tensions, and yes, you may not like this or like that about someone else's culture, uh, but you also, if you take a moment to study it, you'll see how the nation has benefited from all the different uh, gathering of the nations, but as multicultural as America is and more, as multicultural as the urban settings of America is. There is no place in all the story of humanity that will ever be as multicultural as a place called heaven. It will be the single most multicultural place that has ever lived. And the Lord told us that there will be every tribe 
There will be every tongue. There will be every kindred. There'll be a lot of people there who don't uh, uh, cook like you cook. That ought to be a good thing, not a bad thing. There'll be a lot of people there who didn't raise their kids exactly like you raised your kids. That, that might be a good thing. Some of your kids didn't turn out great. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I have teenagers, so you have to I have one teenager. So uh, there, and I have another one who thinks she's a teenager. So there, there, there you go. Uh, we lift up David as an ideal of worship. Somebody say yes. We lift up David as an ideal of being able to accept reproof. Say yes. We lift up David as a an individual who was able to uh, dance before the Lord in the uh, the, the linen ephod of a priest. Can I have a big yes? I know Pastor Don said he danced till he was naked, but he was just talking Jamaican. That's just a Jamaican thing. Uh, David did not dance neck naked. He danced in a royal, not, he took, his royal clothes came off and were laid aside and it was not an accident and he danced in a garment for a priest as if to say, I know you think I'm a king, but let me show you I'm a worshiper. And so uh, here you celebrate David as that. You celebrate David as a builder of a nation. You celebrate David as somebody who can, in the difficulty of life, still praise God. But let me show you something that you, at least I doubt seriously, have you ever celebrated uh, David about. Uh, Saul was the king who came before him, and uh, Saul had many flaws. Uh, he dropped, um, how, how shall we say, the ball many, many times. But the first and un most uncelebrated point about the ministry uh, and the kingdom of David is simply this. David believed including, in including everybody. David did not just include his brothers and his cousins. David included everybody. Let me show you surrounding, and this is just from history, the tribes around uh, Judah and later Israel include the Amalekites, the Ammonites, the Arameans, uh, the Canaanites, Edomites, Midianites, Moabites, Philistines, Phoenicians, Sidonians, and more. Each of them has their own religious traditions. Each of them has their own culture, their own language, their own history. Each of them has to interact with the people around them. Each of them complete, competes for a place uh, in Canaan. You'll see in the scripture, uh, and move quickly with me, I'm not preaching long, Saul only elevated people from his tribe. This caused tremendous divisions. 1 Samuel 22 and 7, Saul is sitting at Gabeah, uh, 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 and he, under the tamarisk tree, uh, with his spear in his hand, and all his servants set around, sitting around him, Saul said to his servants, Here now, you Benjaminites, will the son of Jesse, David, give every one of you fields and vineyards? Will he make you all commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds? It's easy to rush past the scripture, but a, a scholar will tell out, will point out this to you. Saul is making a, an appeal to his tribe. You should support me because David isn't like me. 
David supports almost anybody if they will join with him and they will in some way be competent. He will include them. He does not keep them out of his kingdom. You should be with me because I'm only interested in promoting the people of the tribe of Benjamin. All the leadership of his of his inner circle comes from his clansmen. They all are the commanders. Uh, that was fine as long as his kingdom only included his tribe. But as soon as the kingdom expands, if you can only see the good in your cousins, it's going to cause a problem. If the kingdom is going to expand and you're only willing to promote your brethren, it's going to be a problem. If you're going to be a part of this kingdom, you're going to have to see the good in all kinds of people. I said you're going to have to see the good in all kinds of people. Now let me read again from a a scholarly book. David was an inclusivist whose power was based on alliances outside his clan, included outsiders to his inner circle of leadership. The makeup of his army, for example, was diverse. He included in his armies uh, the Philistines, the Cherethites, the Melethites, the Hittites, and one Cushite, 2 Samuel 18. The Gibeonites, uh, the Israelites, the Benjaminites, yes, even the brethren of his avowed enemy, David includes them. The Calebites and others, David did not distinguish between Israelites and non-Israelites when he had to muster his men to fight against Absalom. And the Bible tells us the story of him setting commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. This is 2 Samuel 18. Uh, He never mentions, it's nowhere mentioned, that he chooses any commander according to group identity. Moreover, he led a Philistine, Ittite, the Gittite, from the city of, uh, uh, yes, Goliath, whom he slew uh, before the uh, nation. One of his generals, commander over one-third of his army, 2 Samuel 18, is a Philistine, and they had equal opportunity to serve in David's army. We celebrate, stay with me for a moment more, David as a man after God's own heart. We say because he was a worshiper. Okay, I'll spot you that. I've preached it, I've said it, excuse me. We celebrate him when he sings alone the greatness of God and there's only sheep to hear him. And we say, oh, David had such a beautiful heart. Okay, I'll spot you that. I've preached it myself. We talk about overcoming troubles and him singing songs of valleys. We talk about how he was able to crave the presence of God. But let me tell you something that we do not celebrate. David was a man after God's own heart in one more way that we do not celebrate. The way in which David was a a man after God's own heart is that he wanted everybody to be a part of this kingdom. He wanted, somebody say everybody. He wanted everybody to be a part of his kingdom. David was nonpartisan. 
Saul set up his city, his fortified city in the land of his own people. But David looked around for a neutral place and he went and took up position in a city called the city of David. It had no connection to any tribe of, of Israel. It had no connection to any tribe of Judah. It was a neutral place. Anybody could come there. In fact, its very name was called the city of peace. And David said, I'm going to set up my kingdom there. So taking his inner circle, not any one tribe, because that would have shown a favoritism with just his inner circle. He goes and sets up throne in Jerusalem. And then having made a neutral, somebody say neutral, a neutral place, a safe place, a city of refuge. He said, you can all come here. This is going to be known as the city of peace. One of the ways David is a man after God's own heart was he wanted everybody to be included in the kingdom of God. So let me speak for all my brothers and sisters here at First Church. Uh, we work hard to include everybody. I know some people are made uncomfortable by it. I one time was preaching a revival. I, I've, some of you heard this story, some of you haven't. I was a young preacher. We had had a great breakout in that city. And uh, one of the uh, leaders of the school district was part of that uh, coming to the church, repentant of her sins, was uh, blessed, filled with the spirit in that revival. Some of the church didn't like her. And so uh, they split the church over her coming to the revival. And the pastor came to me and he said, I need to get you out of town. There's been a huge fight in the church. I was mad. I was young. I, I didn't have much sense. I said, I'm not leaving anywhere. If they want to come, I had living behind the church in an RV that we lived in. I said, they're welcome to come to the church and knock on my door. We can have a Bible study together. He said, I am not worried about them coming by and knocking on your door. I'm worried about them coming by with guns and shooting into your trailer. My wife says, I have guns. <laughs> Um, that was showing that it was she did not have the, the heart of the pastor. You understand what I'm saying? She, she had the heart of uh, the militia. And so uh, <laughs> uh, it broke my heart. Uh, I apologized in tears uh, to this mother and her two beautiful daughters. I said, the church here cannot accept you here. They've asked us to leave. They've called the, they've called the a pastor in. Um, and uh, they may uh, vote him out of the church. And um, I, for the first time, I think uh, from a direct uh, circumstance that I went through as a minister, I went into a ministerial depression. And I'm not saying it's the first time I was depressed. I've been depressed before. Um, and I was I've been depressed since. But enough about this past week. Um, <coughs> that's a joke. <coughs> I went into the for the first time real ministerial depression. I had other pastors call me and want to come want me to come and preach a revival for them. I didn't want to. Uh, we pulled our RV back to my in-laws' house and I set up behind the chicken coop in their backyard where every morning I said curse words at the roosters who woke up early. Um, but it was not a sin because if you're ministerially depressed, it's a different set of rules. If you don't understand that, you haven't uh, tried to be a pastor as long as I have. And so, uh, <coughs> Lord, I'm getting in trouble. And I sat back there for three weeks and listened to that stupid rooster crow. <laughs> Never did get to eat chicken. <laughs> ministerial, real ministerial depression. 
all because I thought people wanted people to go to heaven. And I discovered that the brokenness of the human heart is uh, more than can be fixed um, just in a simple way. I, I, don't, I don't say that to act like I'm good and they're bad. I don't say that like I'm righteous and they're unrighteous. We're all unrighteous. All have sinned. I'm not better than anybody. Uh, but I do want to say this. Um, I was raised in a church that, 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 that made every effort to include everybody, and I've always wanted to pastor a church that included all tribes and all kindreds. I pray on a regular basis that the Lord would let us have open doors to more. Uh, I've prayed on a regular basis the Lord to connect us with uh, ethnic Chinese. We have one family, lovely, wonderful family. I've prayed for a revival there. I've prayed the Lord to connect us with uh, a Brazilian uh, congregation. We have some Brazilians in our church. Uh, we have a heart to help anybody we can. This church has been a part of starting a Nepalese church that today has their own building. They run over 300 people. We help them get started. We have been involved in this for years. It's in our heart. And I want to say to all of you, I heart you very much. And I gave you a great big uh, coughing hug today. And I tell you that if we make it to heaven by the grace of God and we look around, it's going to look a little bit like this. And so I want to read to you uh, two passages as our musicians come. Uh, David writing, uh, not mentioned so much, um, but uh, his writing, uh, a psalm of praise unto the Lord. Sing to the Lord. This is 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. Somebody say all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the nations of the gods are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. I've heard lots of people preach about bring an offering, but I haven't heard that all families of all nations emphasize quite so much. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Amen. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the people with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord. For he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the earth in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. One last point to make. And if this doesn't seal the deal for you, I don't know what else to say. Uh, what is the deal I'm trying to seal? <laughs> I'm trying to get you to see that one of the ways in which David had a heart after God was David's willingness, his desire, his passion, that all the people of the earth would be drawn into 
a relationship of worship and praise unto God. This is one of the ways in which David was a man after God's own heart. There is a, 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 a psalm written by Solomon. Solomon did not write many psalms. Um, or you could, depending on how the scholars, some people think it was Solomon's primary uh, influence. Some people think that David wrote it thinking of his son, uh, Solomon. And I, I, I tend to, just because of reading it, uh, I tend to favor the people who think this is David's um, words uh, for his son Solomon. And he starts out uh, asking God to give Solomon justice and bring prosperity through him. He would endure as long as the sun. He would rule from sea to sea. Um, he would deliver the needy who cries out to him. Verse 15, long may he live. May the gold from Sheba be given to him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. Uh, verse 17, may his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. Then all the nations, all the nations be blessed through him. They will call him blessed. What was the covenant that the Lord made with Abraham, father of the faithful? It was this. It wasn't just that I'm going to be with you and I'm going to fight for you and I'm going to bless you. It was that through you, and this is important, you won't understand Jesus cursing the temple and the gospels if you don't understand the purpose for the tribe of Israel. Through you shall all the nations of the world be what? Through you shall all the peoples, nations, tribes of the world be blessed. What does Jesus do in the court of the Gentiles? Not the court of the Jews, the court of the Gentiles. He flips their money changers. There's no Gentiles there. They're not welcome. He said, my house was supposed to be a house of prayer for who? All people. But what have you guys done? You've turned into a den of thieves. You created a culture so toxic, no Gentile would ever visit here. And since the biggest part of the house, which was for them, is empty, you decided to turn it into a market of Jewish convenience because you had no heart for the people of the world. That's why the temple gets cursed. All right. Notice the heart of David. This is the heart of David. That all the nations will be blessed through him and they will call him blessed. Verse 18. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth. Somebody say, may the whole earth. May the whole earth. May, I don't want just me and mine blessed. Do you see the heart of David, guys? I don't want just me and my cousin to be blessed. I'm not looking for church just to bless people who vote like me and think like me and like the same sports I like, cook like me, have the same hobbies. This is my heart. Are you ready for my heart? That all the nations of the world would be blessed through him and they would call him blessed. And that may the whole earth would be filled with God's glory. Amen and amen. And now I want to read verse 20. This concludes the prayers of David, son of Jesse. I've got one prayer left to pray. I've got one prayer left to pray. My time is up. My story is finished. I have one prayer left to pray. This is my prayer. I pray that through us, all the nations of the world would be blessed. 
And I pray that all the earth would be filled with your glory. Stand with me all across the house. Would you lift your hands and would you join David in this prayer? Oh God, I pray that the goodness you have endowed to your people would not simply be to the benefit of your people. I pray, oh God, that the blessings you have invested in your covenant children would not just redound to the goodness of your covenant children. But Lord God, I pray you would take our hands and our feet and I pray you would bless all the people, all the nations, all the tribes of the earth through us. In Jesus' name we pray. I pray, Lord, it would start through me. I pray that it would not be a theoretical prayer request. I pray it would be something I would be willing to live. And I am willing with what strength and what resources have been placed in my hand to do everything I can that the court of the Gentiles here at First Church (laughs) would be big enough for all peoples, all tribes, all nations. And somebody join me by saying in Jesus' name, amen. Now would you praise him one more time all across this house. listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us. Thank you.